0: Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. I feel like I should just say amen and we can go home after that worship. Was that incredible or what? That was so good. Man, I just wanted that to keep going. They did such a great job. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at Foothills Church, the greatest church that I know. I love this place. I love you all. This is such a great place. And um, just want to welcome those who are maybe new. You heard Pastor Drew mention it again. If you're if you're new, man, we've got that gift for you. We want to meet you and to let you know how much we appreciate you being here, but also wanna welcome those who are watching online and those in our Pendleton campus. Can we say hello to them this morning? How you doing over there? And I, and I wanna reiterate one other thing, and that is that you guys crushed it. Every one of you guys who showed up for love where you live, we were out in mass uh, making a difference in our community, no strings attached, just loving our community. And I'll tell you what, that, that makes a statement. And um, I hope people recognize that we serve a great God. That's really why we do what we do, and so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about today. We're going to wrap up our series, Not Yet, and we're, we've been walking through the book of Haggai, the Old Testament prophet. Most of us have probably never even heard a message out of the book of Haggai. We've done a whole series on it, and it's been really good. It's about rebuilding the temple, and I'll give you a little more history of that in just a second, but um, I'm going to kick it off, though. Um, and I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you have seen the classic blockbuster Hollywood movie, Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> that, was, that was a good movie. It's a funny movie. Anyways, in that movie, there's a character named Uncle Rico, and Uncle Rico was stuck in the past, and his whole deal through the whole movie is he starts thinking about what it was like, what would have been different um, if back in high school, His coach would have put him in. He was playing quarterback. They could have won a state championship. His life would look different now if only the coach had put him in. Now, he's 20 years later, but that's all he's thinking about is the glory days back then. In fact, he tries to buy a time machine so he can transport himself back to his high school days, but obviously that didn't work. But I think a lot of us think in terms of the glory days, and we think in terms of things that are bygone days, the good old days, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. The message is entitled Glory Days, but it's um, also a title of a Bruce Springsteen. It was a really big song for Bruce Springsteen. It's, it's easy to say. Bruce Springsteen. But I want to read some of the lyrics of Glory Days. Just the first part of that song. Listen to this. He said, it says, I had a friend. I'm not going to sing it. To do you, I'll spare you that. But I had a friend. Was a, thank you. Was a big baseball player back in high school. He could throw the speedball by you, make you look like a fool, boy. Saw him the other night at a roadside bar. I was walking in. He was walking out. We went back inside, sat down, had a few drinks, but all he kept talking about was glory days. Well, they'll pass you by glory days in the wink of a young girl's eye. Glory days. Glory days. And I think a lot of us we, we do have those days in our past that we look back affectionately on and we think, boy, those were the good old days. Those were the glory days of our life. But what if I were to tell you that your glory days are actually ahead of you? Like if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that there are better days ahead, no matter what you're going through right now, that God has something better, something new, something great for your future, And we're going to look at that a little more today as we wrap up this series because we've been talking about this rebuilding of the temple. And I want to give you a little context here. This is the nation of Israel is trying to rebuild the temple. Now, let me talk to you about this temple. The original temple that they're trying to rebuild was actually built 500 years prior to what we're looking at today. And it was built by King Solomon. And it was like one of the wonders of the world when it was built. It was a phenomenal beautiful, ornate structure that supposedly housed the presence and the power of God. And it was, a, it was just a magnificent structure. In fact, just to give you an idea how kind of big and great it was, someone did a little analysis and said, what would that building be worth or const- in today's construction cost if they were to do it today? And they figured it would cost between 3 and $6 billion to replicate that structure. Now, it wasn't even big. It was only 30 by 90 by 45 feet tall, so it wasn't big. But what it had inside of it was what made it so, uh, so much was of the splendor of it. There was 150,000 people involved in the construction of that facility, 150,000 workers. And most of them actually didn't work on site. They prefabbed these things and brought them in. It was just an unbelievable construction feat. 7 million pounds of gold were used in that facility. 75 million pounds of silver. It was, it was incredible what, what had happened. And now, what, at that point, they were you know, Israel was large and in charge, and things were good, and those were the glory days, because look at this facility, and look what God's doing, and look how important we are as a people. But then, the people turned away from God, And God said, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to allow you to be taken captive by the Babylonians. And so the Babylonians came in and they destroyed, under King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, destroyed the temple. They took many of the people back as exiles back to Babylon. And there they were for 70 years. And then they, eventually Babylon loses the, you know, kind of world dominance to the, Persians, and the Persian king is a a, a little more sympathetic to this cause, and so he tells some of the Jewish people that you're allowed to go back to your home country, and if you want to rebuild the temple, I'll even help you guys out a little bit. And so a lot of them, again, you got to think this has been 70 years, so a lot of them were actually born over in Babylon, and they don't want to go back. Our lives are here. We're going to just stay here. Many of the ones who were there 70 years prior, they're old now. They're living in Babylon, and the thought about traveling hundreds of miles back to a you know, construction site that I'm going to have to work on at my age, I don't want to do be involved in that. I'll just stay over in Babylon. But a lot of people decided to go back, including some of the older people who had seen the original structure they were in there. They worshiped in that original building, and now they're coming back to this thing that's destroyed, and they've got to rebuild it. And in their minds, they're thinking, boy, those were the glory days. Back when Solomon's temple was in its prime, those were the glory days. So the prophet Haggai has got a conversation for these people from God. He's a prophet of God. And he tells them, look, not so fast. Your glory days are ahead of you. So we're going to look at Haggai chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. If not, the words will be on the screen. Here's what it says. This is God speaking through the prophet. I will shake all the nations, and the treasuries of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Did you hear that? The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. I want to talk to you today about about, uh, glory days, but I want to also kind of set it up by talking about what the Bible speaks of, of our timeline, all right? Our past, our present, and our future, because the Bible addresses all of those things. The Bible addresses what, our past, what we should do with our past. The Bible addresses what we should be doing in the present. And it also talks about the future. So I want to break it down. In fact, this passage of Scripture, you probably didn't catch it, actually addressed all three of those things. Some of you today are thinking about, man, I, I, I don't even know where to go tomorrow. I don't know what to do today. I don't know what, you know, I'm stuck in the past or I'm thinking about the future. Look, let's just kind of settle this because the Bible addresses these things. And I want to give you each of these the first, let's talk about the past. Here's what the Bible teaches that we need to do with the past, and that is acknowledge the past. We're to acknowledge the past. Not live in the past, but we're to acknowledge the past. If you read Scripture, it is obvious that it's very, very important that we recognize our past, that we acknowledge the past, that we, that we, we learn lessons from our past, that we celebrate and honor the things have done, that God has done in our lives in the past. Those spiritual markers, those moments where God moved. We're to acknowledge those things, to so remember those things, to commemorate those things. If you look through the Bible, what you'll see is story after story of things that have been repeated from generation to generation. Of the miracles of God. They acknowledge, they honor, they celebrate the past. They don't forget the past. They don't live in the past, but they use those as teachable moments. And if you think about, just think of some of the miracles that God has, that has had done for the people of Israel that we're still talking about today that were repeated over and over again. The parting of the Red Sea was a great miracle. This was the time where the nation of Israel at that point was, you know, in Egypt as slaves, and God uh, allowed them to be delivered and, and to leave. and. Uh, As the Egyptians were closing in on them to destroy them, God parted the Red Sea. They got through on dry ground, a great miracle that miracle wasn't just talked about then, it was repeated over and over again. Let me tell you that in, in the Bible, how many times, well, in different books of the Bible where it's mentioned, it's mentioned, that same miracle is mentioned in the book of Psalms. It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians. It's mentioned in Hebrews. It's mentioned in Isaiah. It's mentioned in Joshua. Over and over again, they repeat these stories to acknowledge what God has done in the past. Those spiritual markers that God did something significant. Let's not forget this. In Joshua chapter 4, we see that the nation of Israel at this point is about to cross into the promised land. And the Jordan River, they've got between them and the promised land is the Jordan River, which is in flood stage at this point. They're unable to get across. But God does another miracle and dries up the Jordan River. They go through on dry ground. The entire nation goes over to the promised land. And when they're done, they come and they get these, these 12 big stones, one representing of each of the 12, 12 tribes of Israel. They bring the stones out and they set them on the shore, on the, on the bank of the promised land. And here's what Joshua says about that. He says, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. There was significance. Joshua said, hey, look, this is going to this is going to be twofold. This is going to show the power of God, that His ability to deliver us in in the face of of danger, to deliver us to that God is unlimited in His power. But it's also going to be a significant um, reminder to future generations when they see this pile of rocks. Go, what are these rocks about? Then you can tell them the story of this past victory of God, the same God who delivered. The people of Israel back then will still deliver you. This is what the story is. So we're, we're to acknowledge the past. Now, the problem is for most of us, a lot of us, we think of like Uncle Rico. We're thinking about, boy, what could have been? It could have, should have, would have. And, and, and the glory days are behind me. And the, and, or, or we're stuck in the past because of some mistake we've made. But we don't really have a healthy uh, viewpoint of what the past is about. But there is a place where it needs to be. But the past, sometimes we get stuck in the past. A lot of people get stuck in the past. You don't believe me? Go to your high school reunion one time. You know, I told you I went a few years ago into my 40th high school reunion. And I just remember that experience. And I'm looking around and I'm going, I don't, everybody's got name tags. And I'm looking around like, who are all these old people? (laughs) And then I realize I'm one of them, right? And it's like, this is bad. And as I've told you before, like I look around like everybody's old, uh, uh, fat, and bald. And that was the women. It was just a rough situation, you know? I was just be- You should know that punchline by now. But that's, but that's how it felt. But, but here's the sad part about it. I'm looking around at all these people that I used to know. I don't even recognize their faces now. I'm trying to read their name tags, be nonchalant about it. You know, you might act like you know them, but you don't. And I'm thinking, man, this is sad because a lot of those people are, are people who still, like, they, they got 18-year-old minds but they're living in that past, but they've got, you know, 60-year-old bodies. And it's like, this isn't not right. Something's wrong with this picture here. Some of them have never changed. Physically, they changed a lot, but they're still trying to, you know, relive their glory days like Uncle Rico. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not what we need to do. And in in this, when we read Haggai, listen to what, what we, let's go back to what God says. He says, does anyone, this is from verse 3, I didn't read does anyone remember this house, this temple, and its former splendor? How in comparisons does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. I mean, these are the people, again, these, the people who had been there, like some of them had never seen the original, but some of them had, and they're looking at this thing that they're trying to rebuild that's nothing like the old one. It's like basic it's not fancy. It's kind of boring. And they're thinking, how can God be in that place? I mean, it's nothing like it used to be. But God's about to shift their thinking. And if you're today and you're struggling with the past, maybe it was a mistake, maybe you're still living in that those mistakes over and over and over again. Let me tell you something. There's, there's glory days ahead. God's got something big. Use the past as a stepping stone. Learn from your mistakes. Acknowledge the things that God has done. The second thing we're talking about is the present. What's the Bible teach about the present? Well, it talks a lot about the present. And I think if you're going to sum it up, you'd say the Bible teaches that we're to leverage the present the here and now, right now, you, this moment you're never going to have again, right? And I must admit, if I'm going to be honest with you, this is one, as a leader, that probably I failed to do, to, to really leverage the moment, because in the early days of our church, you know, we started 25 years ago, things are happening at a rapid pace, growing, and things, it's just awesome, right? Right? But as a leader, sometimes what happens you're trying to get out ahead of everybody else. You're trying to see around the next corner, and you're really not catching the mo- You're not smelling the roses. You're not enjoying and leveraging the moment because you're thinking about what's ahead. And it's like, ah. and so now I'll see pictures of things that were going on in the church that I was physically present, but I really didn't catch it at the moment. Now I look back with pictures. And we do this with other things. We do this with our children. Parents, you have that little baby, and it's like, oh, this is awesome, and it is awesome. And then it's like, man, I can't wait till they can walk. I can't wait till they can talk. I can't wait till they are able to really have fun and we've got to play in the yard. Can't wait till they're not totally dependent on me. I can't wait till they go to school. I can't wait till they, you know, they get out of the house. I can't, and then you look back and go, what just happened? Where'd the time go? Like I was always pushing for the next thing. Instead of living in the moment and enjoying that phase, I'm thinking about the next phase and the next thing goes by you like that. I've reminded of this recently because I'm taking all, we have these old VHS tapes. Anybody? Can I get an amen? VHS tapes. Used to carry around a big, Remember those big camcorders, like this big, your shoulder was like this at the end of the day? And I've I've got like, I think I've got over 70 of those things that I'm digitizing, All right? So because those tapes are eventually gonna deteriorate, and I'm thinking, I better do it now. They're like so old, I gotta do this. And I'm, and as I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm putting the, I'm not actually watching them the whole time, but you actually have to play through, and I'm catching bits and pieces, and I'm watching and literally an entire lifetime go by in in moments on video it's like wow man there's, you know there's the ultrasound of my youngest son you know they had they just i think they just came up with that technology they we get the ultrasound it was very crude back in those days it was not didn't show a whole lot we got that i'm like he's 30 some years old now i'm looking and there's my daughter and she's a little baby and it's, now she's she's got baby she's you know, older, and she's got her own kids, and she's got a family, and it's like, where did time go? Where's it go? See, if you don't leverage the present, you're going to look back with the regrets and say, man, I had a chance, and I didn't do it. Let me give you a homework assignment. Everybody, homework assignment. I'm feeling nostalgic today, okay? Everybody go back, go on YouTube today, especially parents, go on YouTube today, but kids do. And look up the official music video for Kenny Chesney's Don't Blink. Just watch it. Just watch it. And I promise you, you'll look at life a little differently. Leverage the present. It's not going to be around forever. Do what you can. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, I think a lot of times we hear a verse like that and I go, well, that's talking about heaven. That's an eternal thing, and it is, but the abundant life starts the moment you give your life to Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to give you that abundant life in the present too. Now, abundant life doesn't mean a perfect life. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have pain and trials, but it simply means that your life will be different because of this relationship with Jesus and enjoy those moments that you walk with Jesus. And Haggai Verse 4 and 5. Listen to this. It says, But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt so do not be afraid. God says, look, you got the present. Start rebuilding that temple. I know what it used to look like, but I'm telling you, the, the glory days are ahead of you, but enjoy the moment. Get busy now. Now is the time, and he said, I am with you. Not I was with you in the past. He was, but it wasn't just for the past. I am with you, just like I was back then. I'm with you now, the, the temple may look a little different, but get busy because there are things that you need to accomplish now that if you don't, the entire future's going to be jeopardized. What is it right now in your life that you need to be doing that you're just kind of neglecting? Maybe you're not really stopping to smell the roses. you you got that new business started, and you're thinking about what's around the next corner. Or you've got that family started, and you've been starting to get a little ahead of yourself instead of enjoying the moment. Hey, look, teaching them to get potty trained, that's not fun. But let me tell you something. You're going to look back on those days. I don't know if you'll look at it affectionately, but you'll look back on those days and go, man, those those were some interesting days. I don't know if that's good or bad, but those were interesting days. you got all of those moments that I promise you, as I look back, I can tell you that you'll, you'll wish you would have stopped a little more. And really absorb the moment. Okay, let me give you the last thing. And this is really what this is about. Let's move quick through this. And that is, what it t- what's the Bible talk about the future? And here's, here's simply what it puts. Plan for the future. Plan for the future. I mean, you can take this from the, from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Plan for the future. That we, like, let me just break it down as basic as I can. All right. We all know eternity's coming. Like we're all going to die. At some point, we're going to take our last breath. There's, there's, there's eternity waiting. Heaven or hell, right? We all know this. And the Bible, again, and again puts this out there, and it, it reminds us, you need to be planning for that future, because it's coming. Don't just put that off. Plan for it. Over and over, those kind of things that were it talked about in the Bible. But in this particular case, what we're, what we're talking about is the glory days are really ahead of us, because if you're a follower of Jesus, there is hope. God is always up to something new. There is something going on that God is doing. Now, in our church, um, we've just finished. Back in April, we, we celebrated our 25th anniversary, and we completed our succession plan. And, um, and, and Pastor Kevin is our lead pastor. He's my pastor. He's our leader, my leader. And so this succession plan, we knew, all right, we were planning ahead because I knew that, you know, hey, reality is um, it was time. There's time for things. Um, Is that easy? No, but you know, sometimes you go, I gotta be thinking about what's best for everybody for the future. I gotta think about this and I need to put steps in place. And thankfully, man, I'm so excited because thinking about when Pastor Kevin, I was driving down the road last week. I was was driving, I'm I'm watching the road, but I'm kind of had my phone on with the service. On my console, I was watching the road, so I'm mostly listening. But Pastor Kevin starts talking about these initiatives that are going on. If you missed last week, you need to watch that. I mean, he's up there just, he's sharing from his heart, the vision, where we're going, how we're going to, the future generations we are going to be, you know, the, the, our kids and our student ministry and our Espanol and Pendleton, and and he's going on and on. I'm I'm getting pumped now. Next time I know I'm going like 100 miles an hour, I'm getting so excited, I'm driving. And I'm watching. I'm like, "This is crazy. This is awesome." And I'm cheering. And I'm thinking, "Man, yes, God, that's our leader. Kevin is as our leader. If there was any doubt about it, man, it is it is for sure." And what I got to thinking about was, like right now, like we're in here you know, in, in big church, and then we got the kids over in the other side. Do you think about the future, right? One of those kids. They may be our next senior pastor when, when, when Kevin and Katie are, you know, wrapping up ministry here and, and they're, you know, at that stage of life. One of those ones may be our next pastor. maybe our next children's director. They may be our next outreach pastor or connection. Can you imagine what is go- This is what you think about when you're planning for the future. You're thinking about down the road. I acknowledge the past, of course. I leverage my presence, but I'm, but I'm planning ahead. I'm trying to think about the future. Because if the glory days are truly ahead of us, I need to be thinking about that. My fear, and it's not really a a fear, my caution in all of that is this. That we have a mission to help people find and follow Jesus. It's what we do. That's who we are, right? That's that's at our core. We want to reach our community for Christ. We'll do anything we can to do that. But my caution and my thought is, is if you drive around this county on a Sunday morning, there's over 200 churches in this little county. Most of those churches, the parking lots are kind of empty. And inside those buildings, they're talking about the glory days, what it used to be. Like, remember when we used to actually reach people? Remember when we baptized people? And that stopped. Now, again, they probably have great intentions, but at some point, somewhere in their past, someone stopped thinking about the future. They, stopped, they took their foot off the gas pedal and stopped changing. They stopped the mission of what they were doing because I'm sure that one time they were thriving and growing. But something happened. And they're they're good people. I'm not, there's nothing, I'm not talking about, these are not bad people, they're good people. But all I'm saying is if we don't don't think about this on a constant basis and think about what's ahead of us, then we will become one of those statistics as well. We need to be be planning ahead. Back in in Haggai, let's let's go back to Haggai. Because this is kind of what's happened in Israel. right, this is exactly what they're going through. And God says this: I will shake all the nations, and the treasuries of all the nations will be brought into this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of Heaven's army. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of Heaven's Armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of Heaven's Army. And in this place, I'll bring peace. I, the Lord of Heaven's Armies, have spoken. And you read that, and you go, how can the how can the, the, the you know the former glory be um, the future glory be more, you know, better than what the past. I mean, from a physical structure, it, it wasn't any comparison. The new building was, couldn't hold a candle to the old building. He wasn't speaking about that. When he says the future glory is going to be greater than the past glory, you get in, this is a prophetic statement. Okay, you need to understand, this is a prophetic statement. He wasn't talking about physical structures. He was saying this temple, the glory of what's going to happen in the future of this temple is far greater than what happened in the past. Why could, how could that be? Well, again, it's prophetic. Do you know that temple, that new temple that was going to be rebuilt, would be the temple that our Lord Jesus would be dedicated at when he was a baby? It was the same temple at the age of 12. Remember the story? Everybody leaves, and his parents are like, where's Jesus? Where's our 12-year-old Jesus? And they go back, where is he? In that temple teaching, that same temple. The future glory, right? Jesus was gonna be in there teaching. It was the same temple where Jesus drove out the money changers. And he said, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. That's the same temple. It's the same temple that in, in the book of Luke, that Luke says that Jesus went and taught in there every day. That's why the future glory was going to be greater because the God in flesh was going to be in that building. We know a building can't contain God, but Jesus went there and his glory was there. And if you want to take it further prophetic, that same temple is going to be used in a significant way at the second coming of Christ in, that latter, in those last days. Same temple. There's significance here. We know in the New Testament... There's a shift also when it comes to temple. We're told that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is that we have to understand when God speaks of things, God knows what he's talking about. Someone once said this. said, many people live in the past, squander the present, and fear the future. That's how a lot of people live their lives. But as followers of Jesus, we need to acknowledge our past, leverage our present, and plan for our future. It's totally different. We've got to be wise. We've got to be like that the the fable of the man who was shipwrecked on a South Sea island. He was in his boat and his, his boat sank and he swam to a shore of this island. He was seized by natives. They carried him to a crude throne throne, and made him their king." He's like, man, this is great. Until they learned that according to their custom, the king would only reign for one year, and that sounded like a good idea until they found out that after the year, the king was then banished to another deserted island where he would starve to death. So he thought, what am I gonna do? But Being a person who understood what it means to plan for the future, And knowing he would only be king for a year, he gave orders for carpenters to build a boat. He gave orders for farmers to go to that other island and start planting crops. And other builders were sent to build a beautiful home. And when his time on that, as as king ended that year, he was exiled not to some remote barrier island to die, but to a paradise of plenty. That's what we're, when the Bible t- talks about eternity and future, it always talks about don't store up your treasures here on earth, store up your treasures in heaven, the future. This is exactly what that story is about planning ahead. I want to shift for just a second. I want to hand off back to Pendleton, Pastor Joseph, and the crew over there. We love you guys. Can we say goodbye to them real quick? See you guys. So now let's let's just kind of bring it home. Let's let's let the rubber meet the road. Okay, and let's just let's just talk. Let's let's just talk about life today. The, let's, let's let's go back, past. What is it in your past maybe that's holding you back? What in your past maybe a mistake you've made or something that you wish, man, I wish you could get that time a uh, capsule and go back or, you know, that time machine like Uncle Rico. If I could go back and change it, you, you can't. But what can you learn from there? What do you need to leave back there? And what can you say, okay, I see it, got at work even though I didn't really know it, but what lessons can we take away from the past, all right? Not living in the past, but what can we do in the past? Now, let's talk about the present because this is where we are right now. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, today. Not tomorrow, today's the day of salvation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the Bible says today. Because you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. None of us do. I don't know what's gonna happen 10 minutes from now. But I know this I've got the present to make decisions. I've got the, right now the present to do a lot of things that I may have regrets if I don't do later. For some of you, maybe you've already made that decision. You've already given your life to Jesus. But maybe you're, maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you're someone who used to follow Jesus, but you're no longer doing that. You know today's a good day to come home. To say, you know what, I've, I've wandered God, but I am coming home today. Not tomorrow, today. For some of you, let's talk about the future. For some of you, the future is very unclear. I mean, none of us do know the future, but what are you doing to plan for that? On a spiritual basis, what are you doing? Are you investing like that, that wise man on that island? Are you putting that investment towards your future? Are you, you know, s- storing up treasures in heaven? Let's bring it from even a more personal standpoint. As you know, we, if you're a parent, if maybe you're a student, And you're thinking about, yeah, there are days ahead. There's going to be some things ahead. What are you doing to plan for that? I mean, you can live in the moment so much that you miss the future. And here's what I've learned. Again, when I I think back, and I've I've had a lot of time to reflect over the last few weeks. When I think back on life, it's it's like this. this life on earth. But eternity is forever. Eternity goes on and on and on. And that's why the Bible puts so much emphasis on it. Not not to be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good, but to just have a proper perspective on all of that. And, guys, if I can leave you with anything today, I just want you to do this. Just recognize that your glory days are ahead of you. No matter how good or how bad your past has been, God has something new and good for you. But you've got to lean into that, and you've got to think about it, and you've got to move toward those things of God. And when you do, and all that lines up, life is much better. Not perfect but much better. So I want to pray. I want to pray a blessing over you, and I want to also pray that if you give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, because, again, today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. God, thank you. What, a, what an amazing God you are. When well, you look at an Old Testament book at, about building a temple, most of us have never even probably read the book, much less heard a message about it. And yet, God, the, the truth of your word penetrate our heart. And we recognize, Lord, that the past is in the past. And there are some good takeaways and some things that we could learn from that we didn't do so good. And we've got today, right now, we've got today to to make decisions that we, you know, that we have an opportunity to do that we won't have tomorrow. And I'm praying for those who are going to make some spiritual decision today, but God also, we've got the future. And we need to start thinking in terms of what's ahead of us as well. And you've got that perfectly balanced out, God. And help us to get that perspective as well. To not get stuck in any one of those things, but to have a healthy viewpoint and all. But, Lord, now, um, as we we talk about decision-making, I'm praying for that man, woman, boy, girl that is in here watching online that does not have a relationship with you today. And you said today is the day of salvation and they know that they need to do this. And in our human tendency is to say, I'll just get to that tomorrow. Let me get some things figured out first. Let me get my life in order first. And we came up with all the reasons why we should delay. But procrastination is never good when it comes to spiritual things because none of us are guaranteed another breath. But God, I pray that today would be the day for that person to say yes to Jesus. And if that is you, Maybe offer a prayer like this to him. Jesus, I am giving you my life right now. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. That you would make me a new person and help me to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe you died on that cross for me and that you rose again. And I make you Lord and Savior today. God, thank you for this day to come and worship. And I pray that each one of us would just enjoy the moment that we would acknowledge the past, and we would plan for our future. In the name of Jesus, we pray.